0: Hey everybody, it's the MPG Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Josh Mosler. This week I got Ben Bloomley from Seaport Real Estate. How's it going? That's it's great. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm excited to be
1: here. <laughs> it's um, my first official uh first official podcast.
0: Ever. Actually, yeah, ever. Really? Ever. What's uh me and your um The lady at your office, I I apologize. Sky. Sky, yeah. I mean, Sky, we're talking a little bit and she said that you guys were thinking about kind of getting into podcasting, huh?
1: We were. I think it's an important part of every business. It's it's finding other ways to be online, Um, to be present on every single platform that you possibly can. Um, I think for us, you know, if anyone knows what we do, we kind of innovate and we always strive to be everywhere. But the one place we haven't been is, is on podcasts. And I think we always have some good value, but just like, being here to see your setup like this. It's a lot to do. Oh yeah. You know, it's a lot of work. And I think for us, it's, you only have so much time in the day. And I think that's been our biggest holdup of <laughs> figuring out what you need to do to do it. <laughs> but yeah, so it's been in the works, but I, maybe a year and nothing's ever happened. So,
0: um, I think that media is really transforming the way that real estate works. Like going forward, I think that you'll see a lot more agencies that turn to podcasting video. Like you already have seen the shift start, right? But like podcasting is blowing up right now. Like Joe Rogan get that $100 million contract. I feel like that really blew the lid off and now you're just seeing more and more people move to podcasting, especially in real estate.
1: Yeah, I think so. As long as you're doing it the right way, I think that's what, you know, if I can talk in like six years, six, seven years ago, we started the thing called Port Talk and that was a... It was a spin-off i saw something out there one of the agents doing it and somewhere out in the country and it was just them creating their own space um online uh, in an extension of their business and and i think where we shined i mean six seven years ago no one was really doing the straight one-on-one youtube vimeo kind of style and at our peak i was getting 23 24 thousand views literally on a, a two three minute segment and we saw the value, but what, what the kicker was every agent out there kind of does that same kind of MO that, Hey, you know, the market's hot, come use me, come sell, you know, whatever the, the jazz is It's like the same, same MO. And so for us, it was all about providing the right value. And I think for you, it's, uh, you've got a little niche here on this and, in figuring out Joe Rogan. I, I mean, I, I don't know. You asked me before, I don't know what his podcast is, but I'm sure he's just, he's a, he's a good personable guy. He probably just gets into it pretty hardcore, but for us it's what would the consumers really want to hear you know if if you've got 30 minutes an hour however long this podcast will be what what value what what would the consumer even want you know what do they want to hear from us i mean i was thinking on my side like market statistics you know maybe new upcoming pro, you know projects new developments but um, what we struggled with on our port talk is is coming up with a value like you can only say so much. And it's like, yeah. what, Like versus, like I got to a point where I was doing it week after week and all of a sudden it's like, now I feel like we're just doing it to do it. <laughs> and then obviously you just see the drop-off. So I think that you probably struggle with that too is figuring out how do I keep my listen listeners engaged?
0: Yeah, well, I think, see, I kind of, so in the beginning when I first started doing this, I heard, um, have you heard of Ryan Serhant? Yeah. Okay, so Ryan Serhant was talking about using other people to create content for you. Absolutely. And so that's why immediately, like from the first episode, I was like, let's just get a guest in here. And I'm just going to try to do a guest every week. Because I think talking into a mic on your own, people can, like you said, you can only come up with so much on your own, Yep. you know? So now by, so by having guests come every single week. It's more
1: natural too. Yeah. It's more, it's just like a a conversation. Correct. Yeah. And to that point, actually, it's funny, all of our YouTube and all of our Vimeos, all of our videos that we're doing now, if you look back seven years, like I said, when no one was doing it, Everything that we said, it was like it was really rehearsed all of our marketing videos. And that's something I'm sure we can chat about is is kind of where we feel we kind of elevated the real estate experience with our marketing videos. But it was it was so methodical. I used to memorize my scripts like this is Ben Bloomley and this is (laughs) one, two, three Smith Street. I welcome you to this home. And it was so like just just boring. And so now you've realized the shift of these podcasts. It's it's just just be yourself, and that's what we try to tell our agents when they're doing these videos like it's okay if you uh, uh, if you if you fumble up it's like people want to see you just being you and natural, and so like that's why we've we've shifted and and it's like if I screw up on one of our poor talks, just keep rolling, yeah like if I just blank out for a second like i've made a have horrible a d d like I told you it's like like my video production team <laughs> will like snap <laughs> me back like what are you thinking about like football or something like your you know like your kids just come back, but it's like it's people want
0: yeah. I think people enjoy that authentic experience. I think that by and large, like the culture is actually yearning for authentic experiences. 100%. You know what I mean?
1: That's been the biggest shift for us. Just be yourself. Because ideally, if you try to copy someone else, it's like, like you don't want to be Joe Rogan. Yeah, because no one's going to listen to you. They're going to listen to Joe Rogan, a million followers like they want to find something different because someone's going to wean off Joe and it's like, man, I want something like that, but different.
0: Yeah, you don't want like I'm never going to be the best Joe Rogan. Yeah, or I'm never going to be the best Lex Friedman. Nope. Like, I'm only Just the best of yourself, be Josh Mosler. Yeah, 100 percent.
1: You're going to you're going to be the guy that when I walk in, you're going to serve me long branch whiskey at one o'clock in the afternoon. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, I wish I don't know if there's video and podcast, but it's like. That's a pretty cool welcoming gift to have a little <laughs> 1 o'clock afternoon whiskey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, – I always invite everybody on and, and I always ask them what their favorite drink is. And I yeah. like when alcohol-related drinks are the one because I feel I like, like anything when alcohol a yeah Yeah. I like anything
1: I when alcohol is involved.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, normally – I'm going to take a drink. F- oh, yeah. You're good. Um, normally my, my, my first question is, um, so you turn 18 – What's it, what's the trajectory from kind of when you got out of high school till right till right now?
1: I thought you meant like I just turned eighteen. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like no, <laughs> I don't know who, who lied to you. Um, what I was at eighteen to where I'm at now?
0: Yeah, like so you graduate high school, you get out of high school. Yeah. Like, what's your plans? And then kind of like how's all that changed, informed you, and then what's the journey? Can I cuss? You can cuss. Oh, yeah, okay. I just didn't know the, <laughs> the demographic. I said shit.
1: Um, eighteen, I graduated. I went in, um all my life with big sports. If you ask me from six years old to 18, my my goal was go to the NFL. It was all football, football. Went to college, um, got a scholarship to play football. But ideally, the school I went to um, was specifically – it was an intelligence studies major. The program was called Research Intelligence Analyst Program. It was the only program in the country at the time. And all I've ever wanted to do was go work for CIA, Secret Service, NSA. Crazy – Whatever it was, if I didn't play football, I wanted to go work for the government agency. I envisioned literally working CIA, gathering human intelligence, crazy stuff. And uh, so I went to school for that. Um, grades were not good. Football helped me get into it, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> they actually like saw my ACT and SATs. They're like, ah, yeah, good thing you can play. Uh, so I got into school, graduated. But honestly, by the fourth year of me being there, I realized that that is not the life I want. I don't want to leave here and spend the next five years in Tajikistan growing a, you know, a nine foot beard and doing some weird, awful, awful stuff. So, uh, I got a random internship, uh, at my brother's company and I probably won't go too far into it, but it's a, it was an investment real estate company that he started with another guy.
0: Like a REIT or what? Like a, uh,
1: somewhat like a REIT. Yep. But the, the guy that he started it, uh, with is kind of a big deal. His name's David Ivy. Um, And uh, unfortunately he just recently passed, but he's one of the biggest business mentors in my life. But um, he also created cell phone towers. What? So it's kind of a big deal. That's Mm -hmm. a big deal. Yeah. Really big deal. Like he invented cell phone towers. Yeah. Like literally the, yeah, him and another guy invented cell phone towers company called, uh, yeah, him and another guy and Bob crown, uh, started crown castle. It's a publicly traded company now. And so long story short, he got, he got pushed out. He was coaching football. My brother, they started this company and during my senior year, they're like, uh, you want to come intern? I'm like, I mean, I, Sure, like I'm just a trainer <laughs> football, but like you're gonna pay me, and like you know whatever, so I got to travel and literally by the end of the intern, um life changed, and I had some offers to go play football afterwards, but um, I just felt something good about the company, and I knew that it was a long shot for me. I'm a five ten you know skinny guy, um but I had a really cool opportunity to work with this guy and learn from him. I was like one of like the sixth or seventh employees. So worked for him for a year and literally we went back and we were buying underlining ground leases. So had easements. And so I kind of got my groove into the real estate space. Um, we were buying underlining ground leases that he created 25, 30 years ago. And uh, after a year during that time, I was working for that company out of Pittsburgh. And just like one random weekend, we were down looking at towers, cell phone towers in Atlanta, and I was staying with family and um, sorry. the... Wild turkey makes you a little burpy. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, uh, I was staying with family cousins of mine, and during that trip, they just said, hey, are you happy in Pittsburgh? And I'm like, "I mean, everything's cool, actually. It's really great. But uh, they had a really good opportunity for me to work for them, and they had, at the time, one of the largest real estate companies um, in the country. She was, uh, yeah, one of the most successful agents in the country at that time and uh, gave me a good opportunity, moved down, and literally learned the ropes. So, I mean, they taught me everything for... Three years, and um, by about 2010, I branched off, started my own company, which is now Seaport Real Estate. Um,
0: So that was in Atlanta that she was? It was in Atlanta,
1: yeah. He and she, yep. Okay. They were both in Atlanta, so then it just... Parceled off into Savannah in 2010.
0: What made you choose Savannah? Like, were you taking regular statistical shifts? numbers? Yeah. So,
1: like, the 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 major that I had was all about analytics. So we were able to understand trends. We were understand, you know, it, part of our job in those four years in in my education was understanding intelligence, how to gather intelligence, how to break down intelligence, all different times, whether it was AI or human intelligence. So I was a big numbers game, and so we had a couple opportunities, and it was a lot of statistical data, um, that we ran for months before I made that decision to leave my girlfriend now wife, um, behind for two and a half years. Uh, but we looked at, i I probably still have them. We looked at average price point. We looked at market projections. We looked at, um, average age, like weird statistics, average age of the real estate brokers, the real estate agents. You know, at the time I was 20 when I started Seaport, I was 20, let's see, 25 or 26, so I think at the time I was probably the youngest, you know, broker owner um, here. Maybe across, you know, I was, I was pretty young to have my own company. Yeah. So uh, you name it. I mean, going back every statistic, and it just had the best forecast for me. Uh, but prior to that, I mean, really, I wasn't. I, I'm not from here. Didn't spend time here. Didn't know anybody. Um, and I think that's a cool part. Of kind of what I try to tell people uh, when we train our agents. It's like when I came here in that July of 2010. I'd only been here once. One time. And I I promise you, I swear, swear on everything, I didn't know a single person. I didn't even know a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend that lived here. Nobody. Not a single soul. And so for two and a half years um and it was good and bad honestly it was good and bad it was mainly because of the support of my girlfriend at the time who said hey yeah go 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 leave me here in atlanta <laughs> the booming metropolis and go move to savannah where we know nothing about and go start this company so i mean it was it was that was a huge part for her to just be like for me to make that G, that jump it was like go for it. like it, it kind of spoke to both of us um but uh yeah the, the old struggle was real i think for the first two and a half, three years. I literally had worked, I just told the story the other day, seven days a week. One, because I didn't have any other options. It was like, it, you know, ride or die. But the second thing, I didn't know so like I'm like, I'm with. just not that dude that's just going to go and like, you know, order this wild turkey and sit at the bar and like, just start talking to people. Like, I, I was so focused on figuring out every which way to make sure it was successful. So, I mean, I, I swear, I mean... I don't think I went out to dinner. On Friday nights was like my go out night and I'd go and there was an old uh Mexican restaurant. I'd go and pick up dinner and I'd bring it right back home. And I remember FaceTiming my buddies at the bars and clubs. I mean we're mid twenties, back in Pittsburgh, all over the country. It's two o'clock in the morning. I literally remember these these moments and they're FaceTiming me and they're, you know, doing what they do. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there having a beer maybe by myself and just working. And and that was almost three years before my wife Megan moved down and we, we kinda got a grips. But I think that that's probably one of the biggest things I think I hope we get into is, is the mistakes that I made during those times. And I think that's the thing that I don't know if we'll jump into it right now, but it's, it's the mistakes that I see every agent doing now. And they're just trying to do too much. And that was my, that was, that was my baby. You know, it still is my baby. I got three real babies, but that's my work (laughs) baby. And so like you wanted to do everything you didn't, you wanted to control every single part of that process. And I think that's. That's a big part of the training that we do and really the offerings that we have now at our company is let it go. Like, it's okay. We literally have internal staff that can do it way better than you. Why I mean, I don't do a podcast? Always- because you most likely are doing this podcast way better because you've been doing it longer. You you study it, you analyze it, you figure out what doesn't doesn't work. And that's, that's why we probably don't have a podcast right now. <laughs> we just don't have time to do it. And so I think the agents don't have time because it's super, super busy. And that's like the whole projection of a real estate agent is like you said Ryan Serhant people watch way too much freaking tv that that's been the biggest i think downfall of so much of our business and you get these agents that come in there and watch these guys on million dollar listing and it's like jesus god that guy just made a 3 million dollar freaking commission this is easy no it's not cuz you don't you don't see the grind that that guy had made you don't see the sacrifices that he made to get to that point and he didn't just go get his license and he sold a $50 million house. Like it doesn't come that easy.
0: Read his book. He was two seconds away from having to pack it all up and Everyone, go home. I think every,
1: that that's probably any, any successful entrepreneur or business owner. You're, you've got to be on that verge of either you're either going to make it or break it. And it's like what you do in those decisions, make it. And I think obviously he made it. He's doing very successful, but it, I don't know. It always comes with a, uh, let's see here all bit of a success comes with a negative or a, uh, what do I want to say? You got to help me here. I'm comes with challenges. Like, it comes with, uh, I want to say like negative pieces, but sacrifices that you have yeah, to make. Yeah. I think, and that's where, um, it's not
0: sunshine and rainbows. It's like, by it's, no means. Yeah. It's a grind. It's,
1: it's, it's seven. It's sacrifices. I got three kids and it's like, Hey, on Friday, I got to come home at barely six 30 to put some of our kids to bed haven't seen him all day. And then I got to get a text from a, a client that says, hey, we want to go look at five properties. Well, that screws pool day or that that school, you know, basketball practice. It's like we got to do it. And so the quality of life at a, of a successful agent for me back then was horrible versus where it, where it is now. And that's something, I, like I said, I hope we get into is, is I think in the 10 years that I've been in Savannah, figuring out how do you... How do you really have a good work life balance and how do you how do you be successful but still remain sane and right. and still have a good quality of life and that's by not trying to do too much and that's like we talked about why I don't why I didn't do a podcast because it it would probably take so much of my time I mean we'll be here for what forty minutes an hour whatever, wherever this will run yeah it's a long that's a long period of a day to take out just to talk into a microphone yeah and then the editing and then the and then the presentation of it and then you know, then the broadcast of it and and then posting it. I mean, there's a, there's a hell of a lot of work that you'll do after this is done and after I leave here. It's just consuming.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't know where that went. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, I, Jesus, you
1: asked me what I, what I envisioned.
0: I want to go back though. After
1: 18. I, did I even answer that? So when I was 18, no, I did not realize if you asked me at 18, would I be selling real estate and owning a real estate brokerage company in Savannah? Now, my future... By no means did it look like that. Um, I think part of me at 18 always wanted more. Um, So did it include some of the entrepreneurial side? I would say yes. Um, I came from, you know, South Hills of Pittsburgh. You know, we had enough to get by, but we weren't, you know, I wouldn't consider us what we were the standard blue, blue collar um, family. We had, you know, we went camping, you know, we didn't go to Aspen. You know, really? for, our, yeah. for our winter trips, we went skiing a couple of times and we went camping for our trips and it was the best ever, but I don't think I envisioned, I don't even know where Savannah was. I mean, like literally when I grew up and you don't leave Pittsburgh people, um, don't leave Pittsburgh. They stay put. Really? Yeah. Pittsburgh is a weird stat. I, I don't know if it's still true today, but Pittsburgh years ago had the highest return rate of ev of any city in the entire United States of America.
0: So people leave there, but they always come back.
1: Highest return rate. And you've got some of the shittiest weather in, in all of, like, literally it's <laughs> sunny there like five days out of the year. You've got good sports programs. I mean, it's a pretty city now, but it's it's a, like the craziest statistic. Just good people. You um, know, not blue-collar people. It's just a great city.
0: Let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, so, in kind of getting all, like off topic, yeah. back on topic. Sure. So 2010. Yep. Uh, you were going to form this company, move to Savannah. Yep. Was there like how long did you know that I want to start my own brokerage? Like, was there a huge lead up to that? Was it like quick?
1: Very or- quick, hundred percent. I didn't want to leave Atlanta. Like we had a t- like Atlanta in oh what was I two thousand seven eight. Granted, like the Buckhead scene was shifting a little bit, but like all of our friends that we had we had created in Atlanta was there. My girlfriend was there. Her sister was there. Every our whole life was in Atlanta, and I always envisioned staying with my cousins company, maybe working with them forever. Um, you know, I won't get too personal, but literally we just had a disagreement or falling out. And by that night I came home, we had dinner with my girlfriend at the time and said, I'm either going to get fired or I got to go move and start my own company. That's literally like never envisioned. And so from that moment, uh, I went into hyper mode and uh, start looking at different cities. And it quickly, you know, when we start running the numbers, it was like, Savannah's it. I mean, it. I, there was a lot, a lot, but that literally was, was it within one meeting. I went home that night, looked at my wife and I said, or girlfriend at the time, and I said, I'm either going to get fired from my, I guess, family-owned company or I need to start my own company.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you got pushed in this almost. Oh,
1: 100%. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I did not want to do it. I didn't want to do it in the first place. I didn't want to leave Atlanta. That that is that is the absolute complete truth. Yeah, if you asked me at 18 or even at 25 when I did it or 26, I didn't want to do it. I didn't know any. Like it was just like you're you're asking me to just go four hours away to a town where it's like a very small quaint town where the opposite of Atlanta. Opposite of Atlanta, I had only been. I'd never even been there. So yeah, I would think no, I didn't. One hundred percent, it was not in the cards. I have no problem sharing with that because I think that's, I think that's a, probably a cool little part of the story. I guess of my life is that, you know, shit just gets thrown at you, and it's like you either got to take, take the bull by the horns, or you take advantage of the opportunity at the time, and maybe that's what I did. Maybe it was lucky. I don't know, but it it was not. It was not really well planned and thought out. It was like uh, I got two options: either. Be uh, out of a job or go start my own company, which I know nothing about at the time.
0: So once you move here, you start your own company. Um, you start working a lot. Seven days a week. Your girlfriend, what future yep. wife is still in Atlanta. Still in Atlanta. So We
1: I, we I, went back every – started, but we literally – every other Friday. So a lot of people didn't know this too. If I went and visited her maybe – I say every other Friday, but it really wasn't that often. But I would leave Friday at 4.30, get up there at 9. So I'd have my laptop phone on to answer all the phones because I was my own secretary, everything. Um and we would spend all the weekend, and then I would leave at 4:30, literally out of Buckhead in Atlanta, to get back to open the office up before nine. And then she would come visit and kind of do the same thing. But for two and a half, that's why literally every time like she wants to go there for Christmas now, and it's like <laughs> driving I-16. If everyone's driven I-16. It's Cotton Field, Cotton Field, Cotton Field. Oh yeah, it's boring. And Cotton Fields. It's so boring. And I did that for two and a half years. Like I say it like, but just figure almost every other weekend <laughs> yeah. just to go visit her. And we had fun with it, but it was like, it's a miserable drive.
0: It's true love, man. It is That's true. Pretty crazy. It is true. Love. I <laughs> hope, I hope, I hope she actually listens to that. She better
1: realize that was true. But no, she did the same thing. She, she was, I wouldn't, I would not be sitting on this podcast or where we're at today. If it wasn't for her, which I, I give it all credit. Literally we went home. She's like, you got to go do it without blinking an eye. And I don't know how the hell she did it. I mean. I don't know how many how many girls or guys <laughs> like would you tell? I don't know. You're, ma- you're married? Yeah. Yeah. Would you tell your your girlfriend at the time? Like, yeah, go 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 four hours. Yeah, and move two and a half hours. For three hours, yeah. yeah. And we were like in the you know the lovey dovey phase of our uh, phase of our relationship, and it's like she just looked at me and said, "You gotta do it." And whether she you know the premonition or she just knew she knew it was it, and we actually talk about like forecasting. It was almost at a point where two years into it, we were getting a really good groove and we still had a really good life in Atlanta we were I don't know a lot of people don't know this we were actually looking at houses in Buckhead to buy so I was trying to figure out ways where I was going to either be able to still commute because we still wanted we wanted we were hanging on to that Atlanta lifestyle so much and we were we didn't want to lose that Um, and so yeah by like the second year uh, we were looking around at houses to buy literally she and I were looking at houses for a couple months. Cause we were going to either hire like a manager and kind of do both ways. And I thought maybe I could still do it in Atlanta, come up with some other avenues. She had a really good job. That was another big part of us staying there. And then I think during that period, my listing volume at that point, like doubled instantly. And it was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like we've, we've got to be all in. And then once again, she made the decision too. She's like, guess we're moving to savannah <laughs> i was like have you ever been there she's like nope but i'm guessing we're going to savannah
0: <laughs> so then once um so i'm guessing until after that point that's when you hired your first person or at what point did you hire your first person
1: <laughs> when uh
0: when the guy above me came down uh it was we, we released the
1: ground level and there was a guy above me super guy um he enjoyed himself a lot too I don't know if I'm going to like oh, I got <laughs> really enjoyed himself. Great guy though. But he came down one time and uh, he's like, man, everything good. I'm like, no, no. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know. I went from like 40 listings. Honestly, in a week I was up to like 80 something listings and I am like, "I need help. He's like, well, I got a server who just broke her leg. She needs work. I'm like send her over. <laughs> i never hired. I never interviewed. Never hired anyone. This, this girl came over broken leg, walked on crutches, I literally don't ever think I she gave me a resume. Uh I was like, Can you can you do this? This and she's like, I yeah, I'm sure. Uh good, you're hired. Literally hired her on the spot um and just did a lot of clerical helped answer phones. Uh and that that woman is still with us today. She's really? my first employee. She's actually one of our rock star agents now. she's converted into the agent role. She's killing it. Um but yeah, it was like two, two, maybe two years into I don't know exact date of hire, but Uh, it was just like, oh my God, I can't maintain. It was just boom. Our inventory went up
0: so fast. And then is it since that point then has it just been, it has,
1: yeah, through the progression is, is I think through all that, when you're, when you're individual broker owner and you're scaling at such a rapid rate, your visibility in the market was all over the place. So literally 2009, there was no big green Seaport real estate signs. By the end of 2010, there was green Seaport signs all over the place. And so it gets attention. It pisses people off because it's all like, who the is this guy? Like I literally, he didn't go to high school here. He didn't, you know, and it did. I had a lot of people that were angered at me because I was taking a good market share up and, you know, it just is what it is. But through that period, I got to meet a lot of agents. Um, and I think by about the fourth year, I really start saying, well, I'm getting call after call on these signs. Like, let's start evolving because at that, before that point, I would just get sign calls. And I would send out referral agreements to these agents. And I I had my core group of agents that I really liked. But it, then all of a sudden, I was like, why don't these people just come work for us? And so then that's when we start probably about the fourth or fifth year because I'm like, I'm just literally, I couldn't even answer the phone half the time because it, we had so much going on. So eventually, that was the evolution of start growing the agency and actually growing the brokerage was we just had a lot of listings and a lot of sign calls and a lot of business coming in. And, and we just start, you know, accepting agents, I think probably the fourth or fifth year.
0: Then going back then, yep. so what, um, what are some of those early mistakes that you made that you were talking about? Uh, let me wash down the wild turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> the inexperience. I think I'll get back to the, the, the mistakes, but I think back then when we start hiring agents, I think the, the agents, most of them, almost all are still with us, but we, we were not, we, I was just trying to get by. I'll say that we were very fortunate. The amount of business that we had and the amount of business that we had continually coming in year after year and month after month, we were just trying to stay afloat. Meaning just trying to close everything out. Cause we were doing a lot of business. And by my fifth year, you know, I had 142 transactions in one year. So we were, we were doing a hundred myself, you know, averaging over a hundred for the first five years. So it was a lot in for a company and a business in a town that I had, had really didn't know anything about. Um, I would say early mistakes is we didn't really have a brokerage back then. We just had just had an office, a name, and like whatever came in. There was no real structure. There was no tech. There was no there was no real support. These agents were just coming over to our brokerage because they're like, "This dude just has a lot of signs. A lot of <laughs> he's doing something right." But like I had no structure. I, had no, I still had no quality of life. I had I didn't have the right in house support. And so your biggest question was the the biggest mistake. 100% was not hiring sooner, not finding someone. Um, you know, I've realized there's things that I'm really good at and there's things that I know I'm not good at. 100%. And so for me, the biggest attributes of where we're at now is making sure that we hired right internally. Um, you know, we mentioned, you know, some of our marketing coordination, our in house offer coordination, our closing coordination things that really, you know, the mundane, the accounting that I, you know, I was doing everything. So I was my own bookkeeper. I was my own marketer. I was my own sign guy. I was my own install of Lotbox guy, photography. I mean, literally everything. Um, but the evolution of an agent is understanding what you are really good at. And as an agent, you should be, you should know that by now. And it's, it's sales. We're in sales and it's all about lead generation. Every other part of our business, you should offload. And that was my biggest thing. And I think probably held back our growth a little bit was not understanding that sooner and in, in giving away the control of the business. Um, I, th- I always tell people one of the coolest things is I am this, I'm going into the 10th year at Seaport um, of owning it and, and also running, I, I still sell, represent buyers and sellers. At a point now, I have the best quality of life that I've had since I started Seaport. I'll have the highest gross commission rate that I've had in 10 years. And I've done less sales in this year. So ideally it's I went from doing a higher dollar amount, higher sale volume, higher price point, less transactional and making more money than I did the first year, two years, and I was doing three, four, five times the amount of work. Right. And and at this point now versus 10 years, I don't do any of my marketing. I have someone filming my production. Um I have someone writing the offers. I have someone managing my closing. So literally all I'm out doing is lead generation. But now what we're molding more into is just helping grow Seaport real estate. And and I think that's been, if you had some of our agents on is probably now versus five years, the mistakes is now I am just way more present within the brokerage, being able to learn and being able to train these agents and help grow their individual businesses. And that's where if you ask me, hey Bennett, 36, what do you see going forward? That's kind of where we are growing now is um, I've loved that process of figuring out truly as we grow and we involve, and we are talking about different brokerages before we started the podcast and, you know, the evolution of real estate and where it's come and where it's going. And I've loved being more and more involved on the day-to-day side of the agents and watching. We just had an agent this year literally was doing max out four and a half million in sale volume at another national brokerage. This individual agent controlled every single part of her life and her business. Wouldn't let anything go. So her first six months, she was so resistant to the the, the seaport way. Her first full year, she's going to close over 10 million. Whoa. And she's released everything out of her control and she's focusing on one thing. So more than double her sale volume when she released control and allowed our, our you know, our, you know, it's not a process that we just, we Googled and said, Hey, how do you run a good business for real estate agents? It's something that involves over my 10 years of the business and selling a lot of properties, dealing with different clientele and de- different agents and learning about other brokerages. It's, it's an evolution of where we're at now, but literally she'll more than double her in the first full year here.
0: How much trial and error has been behind that?
1: Getting to where we're at. Oh yeah, my getting, shit. Like, a lot, <laughs> a lot, um, a ton. Um, inexpensive trial and error too. And I think that's the thing. I think that's probably like why people go to franchises and like restaurants and stuff like that, because there is a massive amount of trial and error. And I think that's, that's actually a really good way to put it is I don't want the agents who are working for Seaport to go through what I I went through. I want that agent who now, so for me to get to that point, it took me 10 years, this agent who we just brought over, she's now under her fifth year in business and she'll do over 10 million. Great numbers. Phenomenal numbers in this town. So that's com- that's something I pride myself on, like, <laughs> learn. Literally, like, so I love pouring in, like, not these just podcasts, but in our training sessions with our agents, like, I want them truly not to do, it's like a proud dad, I guess, like, you know, you know, I've, I've raised my kids and, you know, I did this, where, like, I don't want them to have those same mistakes, but yeah. I think part you have to learn from it, but ideally I don't want them to spend the amount of money that we did on different marketing platforms. Um, I mean, Jesus, we were such early adopters to the video content, and um, I think that that I think outside of me first coming here, that that's what put us on the map six years ago when we did the high end, high def video production that was very expensive at the time. Um, there was people doing video production of their you know uh, of their listings, but we did it at such a different level, um, and we incorporated different things that. I mean, God, our first video we did had 762 full-click view watches six and a half years ago. It's a house on Dutch Island. Never forget it. I remember we looked at the video production guy. I was like, holy shit. I think we got something here. And then we <laughs> did it on everything. And all of a sudden, everyone kind of now knew Seaport in a different light. And so, um, but we also learned a lot through that. I mean, we, we've learned of, you know, condensing time. We used to do three, four-minute videos. And like, now, you know, on podcasts, like these are different. People could sit here and listen for an hour, but on if you're scrolling through newsfeeds, you know, we realized that, you know, the, uh, uh, the intention span was, it was not three minutes. It was two minutes. Now, now it's now 60 seconds. Now Instagram, yeah, you gotta be, be under six. Yeah. And so now, you know, you have three to five seconds on your thumb scroll to either get their attention or not to get their attention. So now we've analyzed what we need to do to, to keep it. And so, boom, if you didn't, if you got them to not scroll, then what are you going to do at the 10 second mark? At the five second mark so we've like figured out different ways so that your watch through rates continue because now that's that's big on google analytics youtube rates on not just clicking but also your watch through and that's how they do the rank so like um yeah i don't i there's just been a lot <laughs> there's you, you have to try a lot of trial and error on all different levels from marketing from from financial to um just direction of our overall business and I think that was for us i think even where we're at now I, I think we were just chatting about we just closed on a new office building which we're real proud about and we'll probably move in eight nine months um but i was telling you before we started this is that 10 years ago i didn't think agents should ever be in the office i thought that they should be in their home working out of their home space and they should be out in the fields but now you realize that it's it's coming back around and i've realized. You're you're talking you know, I'm I'm speaking as one of the, probably the worst students ever. I hated school. I was horrible at it. Like if I got a C <laughs> C minus, my parents threw me a party. Like at home, you know, like they were just proud I got a diploma. Uh, but now I'm like a, I'm a fiend for it. It's crazy. I never thought in a million years that'd be one thing. Like at 18, I didn't think I'd wake up every day at 5:30 and and do a podcast or do something mentally to grow myself spiritually, whatever the case is. I didn't think I'd be an addict to learning something new every day because it, it's it's cool it's a fueler it it once i learned something then i project it off to the agents um has been a i don't know how that spun off too see i just go different <laughs> places but, but i would say at 18 i didn't think i would love listening and, and, and growing myself mentally never thought a million years
0: i think it's a learned skill though you know because like Ooh. a lot of people i talk to they don't come across that desire i don't know what you want to call it till later in life you know, or, you know, not like when, not when they're kids or whatever, Heck no! not till you're like in your twenties, sometimes 30, sometimes older, you know, you
1: also don't get it. You literally don't get life at 18. I mean, that's just, yeah. I don't think there's that many people out there that at 18 say, well, I really want to do this, this and this. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty rare. Yeah. Um,
0: Going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, because yep. I'm kind of like all over the place too. So that's a horrible combo. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, I got
1: to apologize that like nothing will actually get talked about in this podcast. <laughs> ben, um, ben talked about uh, his girlfriend in second grade, and
0: yeah, what? Yeah, we just like talked about like. Cra- oh, so you Oh, hey, real estate. I forgot about really. Yeah. <laughs> you have to keep me in
1: line, and you got wild turkey here. So <laughs> continue. Let's let's get back to it.
0: Um. So what, how big are you guys now then? So I saw an article last week or last from last year in South magazine, 55 agents.
1: No, not 55, or 25, 25. So yeah, 25, that's I'm right. Saying, yeah, yeah. Soon to be. Yeah, that's the goal. Soon Contin- to be 55. Yeah, I'm speaking it into existence. Spe- I you. appreciate that. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah, so we've got 25 agents here in Savannah. Um, we have a second office in Blairsville, Georgia. Um, that's up in the Northeast Georgia mountains. And that's been a funny shift by just talking about that real quick is because the pandemic has caused that office to grow exponentially. Really? Everyone's moving. Everybody's moving. Like literally it went overnight when the pandemic. So that was an interesting shift in a growth where like two of our agents were like, we literally can't take on any any more business, which I was like, come on, (laughs) figure that shit out. Like, Don't you tell me that Like, I'll come up there. And so, but it was an awesome shift because everyone wants the the, the separation, the mountains. Um, So that's been a really fun. That's been open for about three years now growing every day, every month. Um, And then we have a third office in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And that's an offshoot. Um, We've got two agents that work out of the Philly office. We'll do a little mixed residential, mixed commercial. Um, But absolutely, our core focus is here in Savannah.
0: What's the story behind opening up that second branch in Blairsville?
1: Uh, It actually just kind of happened. Our our agent, uh, two years running, our agent of the year, two years running, wanted to move up there. It's a pretty simple process that like he literally called. And he's like, Hey, I want to move to Blairsville. I was like, <laughs> cool, let's do it. And he's like, well, I don't want to leave Seaport. So it was a Testament of us and, and really our relationship with this individual. And he's like, what are your thoughts of opening a, a, an office up there? And I said, let's do it. Same kind of thing. We ran our numbers, ran our analytics, did the same thing I did 10 years ago or seven years ago uh, at the time. And um actually a huge market and we're starting to see a huge growth right now, like out of Blairsville, because I think through the pandemic, but also Atlanta, we're starting to see a ton of Atlanta traffic come up there. I mean, it's, I mean, if you've never been, it's gorgeous.
0: Yeah. It's a really interesting con because you know, I, I hear people all the time that say, Oh yeah, as soon as I retire, I'm going to the mountains, Yeah, going to North Carolina, Absolutely going to beautiful. North Georgia. Yep. Going, yeah.
1: Huge wineries. We've been, I mean, like there's so much cool stuff to do up there, but um, that was, that was pretty simple. It was literally, he just didn't want to leave Seaport. So it, it made me really proud that he, he had any option to go. And, you know, there's companies that have been around for a hundred years up there and, he wanted to stick with us. And so we've been, we've been very fortunate. We've got it to work and, um, we've grown our numbers, our sale numbers every year since we've been up there and, um, looking to add a third agent probably in the next, um, three to four months. It's kind of in the works.
0: What's been some of the challenges of scaling like that multiple offices and not
1: being present simple. I think that's the holdup right now in Philly, you know, Blair's while I can drive I can get up there and i can drive for the weekend or get up there for a week talk to the agents kind of understand learn the market um also in state it's a lot easier because it's the same contracts different mls different markets um but the same kind of uh purchase and sale agreements same ga you know contract dogs, same real estate laws same yeah. real estate laws so legally it's good it's easy for tax purposes being in pennsylvania where i'm a licensed broker we've got a company we're all we're all legit and licensed up there different contracts, different laws, um, You know, different ways that they interact, different things that they do during an inspection period that we don't do down here, um, and just a completely different market. I mean, you're talking a two-hour flight, 13-hour drive. It's not easy. Um, it's not easy being present as, as, as much as we're growing here to get up there. So that's been our biggest prohibitor of growth. And, and we actually, uh, when we started that office, through the two agents that we have now, we had almost 15 agents that wanted to come over, which I, I kind of look back. i like, I don't know why, like <laughs> I have no idea what Seaport real estate is, like how the word spread. And it's not like we're a national, we're a small boutique firm, but legitimately I flew up for, I was up there for like three or four days, sat at this downstairs of a, of a hotel and we ran through them. They're all like jazzed about coming over and I'm, and, and then I was excited. I thought we were going to go from one agent to about 14, 15 agents in the first three months. We were looking at office space. We were going to lease at the time. And by the time I flew back, I spent a lot of time. I flew up there by myself, no wife, no kids. And I just got back into the home base here in Savannah. I was like, it's it just being in service or an injustice for those agents because there's no way that I can do what I'm doing here in Savannah, especially the direction we're going with me kind of setting back as a standard real estate agent, but focusing on the business and the core and the training. There's no way I could offer that in person there's no way and honestly I just kind of look at it like it's it just there's too many challenges so we don't know we don't know exactly the direction Um, I, yeah, I, it, we'll just we'll see we'll see I don't know how long I think we, we, we've been open discussions with our agents up there we're doing fine um, but you just realize as we adapt down here and we, we learn these changes and we learn through mistakes it's like the, the agents need space they need to be in they need to build that culture and it's hard when your, your broker owner is not there every day
0: when you think about growth, um, do you do you think that there is a lot more room for Seaport to grow here in this market? Or do you feel like you will have to continue the model of going to other markets and then growing out nope, from there? Absolutely
1: not. So, yeah, I think the market here and what we're molding and what we're creating at the company level, we have absolutely a massive amount of, of growth here. Um, you know, I envision at least in the next five years to have it, at a minimum two new offices. Ideally, look to maybe go Richmond Hill, maybe a Polder or Effingham County. I'm um, going to have a con- kind of keep Savannah as a home. But in the next five years, I'd like at least two more offices in this market region, at least.
0: How do you feel about like Buford Hilton Head?
1: Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, we were, uh, it, it's so weird. You have no idea, but we were the last seven months. We were actually working on a Buford office. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, And this was, uh, yeah, an agent who contacted us and said, Hey, I want to leave my firm, but I want to start a seaport over here. And so we entertained it and we literally found the lease space. Uh, but it was the same kind of thing, different laws, different States, you know, it's a 45 minute drive. I could still be present. Um, but we decided that it was better for him just to start his own brokerage. And I've kind of helped guide that, that process for him. Um, but we were, we were, really, we were actually re- like we were ready to go yeah I mean we, we literally found I, I visited lease space on the main track uh we we had uh about uh, one signature away from signing the lease on a spot over in buford like downtown buford it was it was gonna be banging and, and it, we had uh, a number of agents already on the books to come over um, three of my agents now are licensed with other companies you know from savannah they have they hold their license so we already had three agents in our office that are a couple deals every year, you know, over there. But, uh, I would cross, I would keep that on the the horizon as well, but it's just, it's hard because, because when you're focused so much here, you've, the the whole office process was, you know, buying that building, going through rezoning. It was consuming. I mean, it it consumed my life financially, mentally, physically, just to get for them to allow us to, to buy it. It was 10 months. And so now I have nine months of construction. So, um, kind of one at a time. Yeah. So okay. prove that concept, get get the culture built up in our main core office, and then I think once that's done, then we'll look for the next one. Um, oh, cheers.
0: Cheers. So in this new office space, um, you were kind of talking with me a little bit about it before, but what's your vision, what's your plan for Seaport there?
1: Um, Building the culture that we've kind of lacked in our current space. You know, we've got an office condo that... That was bought for a specific reason. You know, 10 years ago when we started it and as we grew with other agents, I did not want, it sounds crazy, but I have no problem admitting this. I did not want agents to sit in my office because what I saw in the traditional brick and mortar was a group of agents that would come in, talk about the grandkids, talk about the kids, sit at the water jug and get a coffee and eat lunch. And it was like, I didn't have time for it. Like I, it would have drove me nuts if I walked into an office back five, six years ago and just saw agents sitting around. But ideally the concept in the design of the new office is, is to allow for very flexible space. We, I think the agents in our office, I don't think there's maybe one or two that would actually work five days a week, seven days a week out of there. But in today's world, it's more of a flex space. So like, you know, just simple things like every desk we have, like you wouldn't have Josh, you would not have your own desk. It'd be a flex space where you would come in and if you're an iMac, you'll have, you know, the different cords and the jacks. It's the dual monitor setup. It's more of a flex space, you know, open kitchen with everything that you could want. Legally trying to figure out how we can get a beer tap in the fridge, you know, for happy hours (laughs) and stuff like that. Checking with legal on that. There's a little bit of a risk there. Um, But a production room, you know, a training room. It's the things that I think that we're shaping the future of real estate where, you know, it's not it's not generic training. It's training these people how to be salespeople, how to, how to take cold calls, how to do video production, how to be in touch with the current time. So like these agents can come in, make their calls, clear out their email, schedule the listings, get their marketing binders, their signs, but on the way out can go back with our marketing team and film, you know, a mini port talk episode, hop on to maybe a potential podcast, whatever the case is, but we'll have a full blown studio in the back. There'll be outside space. There'll be a place to meet their clients. So we're going to have a fun little agent area, maybe some games and stuff in there to play. But I want to, I want to rebuild that culture that initially I didn't think we needed, but now I see it. And it's like, maybe through the pandemic, maybe, maybe that's part of it is that people now I think are earning for that social interaction, but it's, it's with the the right twist in the office. I don't want my agents just sitting around because I literally probably will loot. Like, I just, I can't see it because our agents, they have so much potential and to see some agent just sitting over in the corner, like, you know, looking out the window, it's like, no, if you're in here, get on the podcast, go do something. Like, there's always, there's so much that you could do on a daily basis. Right. And you know, I'm a big Grant Cardone guy. I don't follow Grant Cardone. Like, oh, yeah, I follow 10X, Grant, so 10X, yeah. like, I've literally been to Miami. I followed him. I listened to all his stuff. It's like, you should 10X your life in so many ways and it's like, you could 10X podcast 10x video production 10x blogs 10x your follow-up with your clients like don't ever at any point seven days a week tell me that you don't have nothing to do in our space so i think that's where like we'll kind of create that space that don't give me that that bs like we have everything literally handed for you right here have fun with it but create value while you're here
0: do you listen to uh gary v very much gary
1: v and grant cardone are like my two faves okay yeah gary v is my dude
0: so Gary Vee, I feel like touches on that a lot about like the importance of company culture. And I think, that, yeah. I think that a lot of business people have been coming around to that, but not quite like that. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a huge uh, endeavor. I think it's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, ideally it's making it fun too because I think the real estate's been very bland. And, and, and I never, I was cautious about saying this, but I mean, Savannah's an old town. Yeah. And I think that's, I think I've probably told a million people this, but I don't, I don't like ever, I'm not calling out anyone, but ideally Savannah is not only an old town, but the real estate business before really we start doing our videos was dated. Everything, everything was dated about our space until this fun period that we're in. Um, the amount of video content and different things like, I mean, you know, if there's a listing, like you know, you talk about the South Mag, but like back then, if there's a pool, like I'm jumping in the pool, like showcase your property, have fun with it. But that was the big shift I, I think I saw was that there was an opportunity, especially here because I will say that six years ago when we started doing the video, I wasn't the first p- person that just like got in front of a camera and start talking about real estate or I wasn't the first to do a marketing video, but I really was the first one here to really blow it out of the water and bring it kind of to life. And I think, and it's fun and it's almost, it's crazy to me that I would say only maybe 20% or kind of still kind of following that mold because it's tough if you don't have a production team if you don't if you don't have what i have behind me there's no way if you want to try to grow your business there's no way you're sitting here doing this podcast 10 years ago i wouldn't have the time to sit here with you but i've got a mark i've got a full staff behind me managing everything of my day-to-day right now like literally i mean that's that's a good point like to look at it that way 10 years there's not a chance in hell i'd be able to spend what an hour two hours with you yeah no way um but it it, it's going to be fun i think that's the thing is like we always strive on on doing things differently and i think the agents will see it when they get into that space that it's differently the way we train the way we we interact and our offerings in through the office everything uh, thing we always talk about is we always want to continue to innovate but i always want to say just do things differently i'm the yankee from pittsburgh who literally has been different down in this this part of town <laughs> since day one yeah so I, I feel like i'm always striving to in a good way stand out and it's through innovation, through video, and I don't know, there's just easy free tools, but it takes time.
0: Social media has definitely made that whole thing way easier. It's, it's very easy to get exposure now than it used to be, and be innovative and creative and and express yourself way easier than it used to be. Yeah,
1: and I think the struggle with so many people is, and this was, I think it was Gary V or someone I just listened to, and it's like, stop trying to do it all, though. Stop trying yeah. to, like, there's the, there's now TikTok, there's Snapchat, and it's like, most of agents get up every day, and I'm like, well... What do I do first? Just just create. Stop overthinking it. Stop worrying about if this was right, this was right. Um, there's a lot of good social media outlets that can post on 50 different accounts, but I think that's there's just so many different avenues and people don't know where to start sometimes. And they just sit around twiddling their thumbs. It's like, just create it. I don't care what you do.
0: Just start something.
1: Just do something. Yeah. And just do something full bore. If you just want to do YouTube videos, great, do YouTube. It. If you just want to do Instagram stories, just do Instagram stories. But the key, I guess, I'll give a little. The key is where I see agents fail so much is a lot of agents. Since I've started all my video content, my marketing, my port talks, that now we consistently do through our YouTube three, you know, three videos. And I'm always trying to provide value. And I think now what we're really doing is twisting is just like you're trying to interview a lot of real estate people in this space. I'm providing the value, kind of like through through this this podcast. to agents out there. I really not even if you're not with it's like it's a free YouTube channel. Everyone can watch it. But I'm always trying to promote the growth of agents through the stuff that I've learned, either whether it was through podcast or any training videos that I've watched. Um, it's become more of a training platform, internal, but for everyone. Um, but it's the consistency side of it. And I think that's like the thing with podcasts. Like I can't be consistent on everything. You can consistently put out these podcasts, but too many agents, there's a small percent of agents that look at it and say, man, I want to do what you know Ben's doing. I want to do what you're doing. And we'll do three of them. Like, yeah. hey, dude, it didn't work. It's like, because you did three of them. That's <laughs> yeah. like something Gary Vee will do. I was like, bro, I didn't, I didn't, Gary Vee will always say these like, I didn't, I didn't just start creating this shit like five days ago.
0: Yeah, I've been doing it for 10 years. 10 years yeah. to get the
1: growth. And he'd been doing it every single day, doing 50 Instagram stories, 50 posts, 50 blogs every single day and it's like it finally caught on he's like no one was watching my stuff back then. <laughs> like
0: i can imagine gary v saying when somebody comes because i hear this question all the time yeah gary i've been doing it for seven months and it's not working you haven't even fucking started <laughs>
1: i've <haven't> done anything <laughs> yeah, you literally
0: do
1: <laughs> yes yeah, so that's like 10 years ago i think yeah. that, like looking back I, I don't think i think that's something i always say i literally we've had very good success i've had good awards i've had great sales number you know sale numbers in 10 years but that's the fun part truly i don't think we've actually done anything in this town I really don't. I think we've literally, I think I'm just starting to click a little bit on kind of how this business works, how a real estate brokerage should work. And I have no problem being honest about it. I just don't, I don't, I don't think we've even hit it and it's fun. I think with all the new tech and all the new changes and now a new office coming, I I, I think we're still years out before we really get going.
0: Let me ask you this. You said something kind of interesting, which is that you're putting out free content because you want to help new agents. So then what drives you exactly like why do all this like what's what's the point for you is it to help people
1: i've enjoyed that more than anything yeah i I absolutely have and and that's the shift in the role shifting right now is i'm trying to step back a little bit in my day-to-day business of listing and sell you know and, and representing clients and to really grow the brokerage and actually help specifically the internal seaport family of agents um but it's been fun, like talking about the age I just told you, in one year, yeah, in one year, like no BS, one year, four and a half million, over 10 million in her first year of just changing. And she, this, this, she was doing things her own way, protecting her business, literally like like a little bear cub, like not letting anyone in. And when I let her just finally just relax and say, let me show you a different way, over 10 million, that's life changing. That's a lot. That's yeah. life changing money right there that she's providing now for her family in one full year. So the thing is, like, boom, let's keep going. So that, like, for me, that, like, what got me going was that, seeing something like that and seeing the agents now being able to dissect, like, goddamn, like, I think we are onto something. It really does work. You know, it's kind of like proof and concept. Like it absolutely is working right now. And I'm excited to share it. That's, I think for me, the day we finally closed on that office, I was like, God, let's do it, man. Because <laughs> I'm going to show you, I'm going to show what, what an agent really needs. And we're going to learn. We're going to make mistakes at that office. We're going to add on. We're probably going to build on. But once we figured that, let's go do another building, another building. Yeah. And I don't want to stop.
0: Let me get, I'm going to get a little bit more personal. Okay. So, um, I read, uh, online uh, on your website that your mother had died from ALS.
1: She did. Yep.
0: Um, and I, so you guys do a lot with charities. We uh, do. I, I read. Yep. And then how much do you feel like that has driven you to, to kind of be the way, you know, succeed the way you have? Do you feel like that drives you at all?
1: Every second of every day. I, uh. So, being on a on a personal level, like I, uh, it, it may be too far off for people and things like that. But you know, going back in our in our lives, we didn't like I told you we didn't have a lot. So, so the way I look at it is, yeah, she passed and she was diagnosed with ALS. But the way I look at it is, who knows where myself? I've got an older brother, younger sister, um, and this is kind of the way I portray it and in, and in the, in the, what I believe is, who knows what the outcome would have been for us. Um, you know we didn't. You know South Hills of Pittsburgh. Everyone's a normal Joe kind of guy. No one really has these huge aspirations. Uh, I believe that she gave her life at the age of fifty-two for us. And so, why I get up at five thirty, why I have the drive that I do, is because it would be a dis, a massive disrespect to someone that gave their life for me to have a better life. Within the first year of she uh, of her passing. My brother got hooked up with a guy that fucking invented cell phone towers. His life was changed forever. Like, come on, the guy's a big freaking deal. Uh, Married married, um, his now wife, three healthy kids. My sister marries um, her high school sweetheart, huge doctor back in Pennsylvania, owns his own dermatology practice now. Um, Three absolutely beautiful, healthy kids. I get a chance to move to Atlanta to work for my cousins and now own a company here in Savannah. So literally, like, if you asked my brother, my sister, none of them would ever say that they'd be at where they're at now. But I believe there's a part of all of us that realize that, like, that's what drives all of us every day. Is that how dare, like, you know, I think literally I don't think I'd have any of this if she didn't give her life for us to be better where we're at. And now I have three beautiful, healthy kids, married, you know, roof over my head, a company that we keep growing. Um, So that is, you know, that's my reason i get up at five thirty, i stay up late seven days a week like that's my drive 100 percent
0: um that's pretty heavy
1: yeah that went deep
0: that went deep uh, well no, that's true. awesome though. but that's true though that, mean, that,
1: that, that that's no bullshit that's that's really if you ask me why i won't stop and what drives me it's simple as that and it, it's it's kind it's of a
0: like making your mom proud or just like not doing her a disservice like a kind of both kind of both yeah
1: she was always my big cheerleader but i think not a disservice to her but um yeah, that's just why I won't stop. I mean, it's just, it just, it, I don't know. That's what keeps me going. Um, that's really, I don't know. I was trying to, I was going to go somewhere else with it, but <laughs> once again, the wild turkey settling. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, let me ask you this then. So, uh, shout out to the, I don't, what, what's the ALS, uh, yeah, area? so
1: yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's good timing. So in about a week we'll, we're going to be posting. Um, my brother was actually shout out to him was just named, um, he, he just got on with a massive award from the national ALS association. He's helped coordinate for 10 years of golf, uh, for ALS up there. Um, hundreds of thousands of dollars we've raised. He's going to take a back seat for now, but I'm going to take the reins. And so this coming April, we're going to do down at the Ford plantation uh, okay. we're going to re kind of generate the golf for ALS, um, through a partner of ours. He's the club pro down there. And so, uh, this April, we're going to do a charity event there. Um, we also help with the, the walk in Atlanta, but ideally this is going to be kind of my new baby that we'll focus on, um, this coming April, hopefully COVID free.
0: So follow you keep, you're going to post, yeah, we'll post it. Yeah, we'll post
1: it. Yeah. In about a week or so, we should have all the new dates, the time sponsorship opportunities. So that will come, yeah, this April
0: all right awesome i'll yeah. uh, whenever you post it i'll cool I'll share. thanks It'll be awesome yeah um all right I'll shift i want to shift gears a little cool. bit more i know yeah. we're, we're a little bit low on time but um do you invest at all i do so what kind of investments are you making what's your first investment you ever made
1: into my piggy bank my dad i was like i was always a um this, this could go on forever but i was a uh <laughs> i saved every penny Like literally I was cheap as cheap as cheap. I I saved every penny, but first actual investment. Um, when I worked for my brother's company, just out of school, once again, not a great student, didn't understand money, economics, economics. We had 12 football players in that class and we rotated every 12th class literally. And we'd played bocce during that course, which kind of stupid looking back. Like that was probably a really important (laughs) class. I probably would have learned something, but no joke. We all got like C's, but that was, that was my first class and we never went to it. Um, which is just so stupid. Um, out of school, he came and he gave me a book. It was like the Charles Schwab guy came in, set up our 401ks and he told us about um, investing early and I'm like, sounds stupid and boring. Like, why am I going to put money in this place? And he said, man, it's all about compound interest and I was like, the fuck? what it was compound interest? <laughs> so, he literally gave me a book He took it home and of course, I like I didn't even read it. I came back, I was like, dude, I don't know what this thing says. He's like, all right, here's the deal. Sat me down and this is guy's invented cell phone towers, by the way. And he's like, I don't really give a shit if you understand it, but just do it. So at, at, at early age, I was investing quite a bit of my salary because I was living home with pops and I was investing a ton of money in my 401 IRA account. That was my first investment, um, into more of the IRA long-term funds. Um, but, uh, I do now in another company that we buy and hold my wife and I buy and hold rental properties. So I'm a big asset holder. Um, we do some angel investing on the side as well into startup companies, but biggest investment probably now is just real estate assets, rental properties. And, um, that kind of was started kind of funny. We were dealing with a national company, um, Warren Buffett's company, Blackstone, and they were buying all these properties in Savannah and they pretty much gave you a, a little Excel spreadsheet. It was like a third grader, fill in your purchase price, fill in the rent, fill in this, this and this, and it generated really the, the, the yield on your money. And if it meet, it met their 10 cap or whatever it was. So I put in this property that I found, it was like a, I think it was a foreclosure or something like that. I plugged it in. <laughs> literally, I sent it to my brother, <laughs> my first investment. I go, is it 56% yield on your money? A good thing? He's like, yeah, you dumbass. He's like, buy it. So <laughs> I literally lo- like, cause it was almost like, it just didn't make any sense. I'm like, cause they were only looking for like this 10, 11, 12 cap. Yeah. And it was back then before I really didn't really, did know what a cap was. And, um, it was like 50 of my, I thought the thing was broke or something. It said 56%. And so he's like, yeah, go buy it. You got money. I was like, yeah, I got it. So literally I bought this property and it yielded 56%. So I literally took this company, um, just learning through it. I was like, oh, Jesus, these guys can buy it. Why don't I just start buying my own? So literally instead of sending these companies, he said, was it wasn't just Blackstone it was other companies, but they were like, Hey, fit, fit in this model. And if it fit in, I was like, Why don't I, I'll just buy it. So I'm a big proponent of um, uh, of passive, passive, passive income. And okay. so for me, I don't do a lot of flipping. Um, I like the long term, slow, slow nature. I used to always want things so quick, but I've also realized, and I've been fortunate to be around a lot of people with asset growth and um, and the understanding of just patience in investing. And so I've always loved that aspect and um, continually growing our rental portfolio. I think everybody I think every single person in America should have a rental property
0: how when did you buy your first rental? What year was that?
1: two thousand let's see here it was two twenty one hey two thousand fourteen fifteen
0: okay, then how many do you have now a
1: decent amount <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: got a good amount, but they're all single units um okay. you know i don't. I don't do multi unit i don't do I'd love to get in bigger apartment plays like little Grant Cardone style, but it's big dollar amount um
0: Plus, we've talked about this before. I've talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah. Which is that on those big apartment complexes, they're getting like five, six caps, and they're like thrilled.
1: But it's big money. So it's it's yeah. it's, five, it's five, six cap on 40, 50, 60 million, or 110. Like Uncle G just bought a $110 million deal down in Miami. So he's probably yielding a, a three and a half, four cap, but it's three and a half, four cap on 110 million.
0: Yeah, but if you build out like 140 single family houses. Absolutely. You know, like a huge portfolio of single families.
1: So everything that I bought in this town, because typical investors, especially on multi-unit, bigger, are always looking for that 10, 12 cap. Yeah. Everything that I buy in and around Savannah is always at a 20 cap.
0: Exactly. Great deals. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's lower, you know, but it, it's just different. And, and he's, and it's funny. I follow the crap out of him. If you follow him, what does he say? Don't ever buy single doors. Don't
0: ever buy single doors. Don't own your own house. Don't, don't buy single doors. Don't own
1: your own house, which I, I, I cannot disagree <laughs> even more. I mean, I'm in the space, but I really, if you buy right and you do the right things, why not? I mean, that's how I feel like people, that's how you build your your individual family and personal wealth is by not renting and throwing that money away. And there's tax deductions. There's a lot of different things, but I mean, absolutely not. Like I get his perspective behind it because it's not making you money, but it also is an asset where, you know, I look at the house that I have and I made that joke the other day. Like we bought it really well and it, it will be worth X amount of dollars in say 30, 40, 50 years. My wife and I will die in that house together, but it's like, I'll never see that money. So I get his point like that money when it when it goes like we'll be in a grave and the kids will just get the money. So it's like it's not really exciting, but it, what am I it's better than throwing it away? Yeah. You know, you could you could pull hold out You could you could leverage that money. You could do home equity lines out of it. You can use it at a very cheap rate to make that money use it. There's different ways. I think he goes into that a little too too hard. And I, I really I disagree with him in that regard. Um, and I disagree with him on, on the apartment deals. You got to start somewhere like my first deal. It wasn't a $110 million apartment. That's not a normal Joe. And he's also doing a REIT. He's bringing in outside investment money. He's bringing millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of outside money in. It's not all his money.
0: Plus, it's easy to say from the other side. like, like So easy. Because if you look at, you know, he, he, when he started, he started out with a single family house. And then he built up of course to he where did. he is right Of course now. he
1: did. He's full of shit. Of course he did.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's not like, he hmm. you know, it's easy to be from that side now and say, and, hey, it's real easy start over here.
1: And you also have to understand, what is he doing? He's he's trying to recruit you to put money into his REIT. Yes. That's another yeah. thing. Like, you have yeah. to take a lot of stuff he's saying in perspective. Like, he's building his Grant Cardone capital. Yeah. So, no, I don't want to put my money into your REIT. I'd rather go buy something and yield 18%, 19 20% all day long.
0: Plus, I don't know this for sure, but I heard that they're, like, uh, rumor mill that they were having a little bit of issue with, like, payouts and stuff. But I'm sure. Here
1: nor Who knows? Know yeah. No, um, but I'm a big <laughs> proponent, and I think that actually – if I don't mind, get out of that for a second, because I think it's a huge part of my exciting part of Seaport is five years ago, the guy that runs our Blairsville office came to me and said, Ben, I see you're buying rental properties. I want that for my family. I want that passive income. We spent about six months and just at that time with his family budget, he had some restraints, didn't have enough money to invest in real estate. I found through a flight to God, I was going to like L.A. or somewhere like that. I was flying. I had four hours on a flight, and I was reading these articles online. There was a real estate company that was providing a referral, and every company out there, every real estate company in 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 the, in the world has, if I recruit you, you get a little piece of the pie. Like there's actually this this national company now. Um, it's a it's a virtual company that if you recruit an agent, and they're really recruiting you to be a recruiter, but you get a like point oh 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 one, and I hate to. Throw that number out because it's somewhere around there. It's, it's very little of what residual money you get from that agent's productivity. We right now have the highest payout for a referral program. If you are an agent of Seaport and you refer an agent over, we are offering the highest payout referral of anyone else around. And it's massive. And it came five years ago because my agent was looking for passive income. And so it's a huge part of some of our agents in our office of why they're able to grow their business is that they are not constrained financially to their own business. Some of the agents they've got, the other day I cut a check, literally signed a check, $2,982 for an agent, passive income. From the productivity it's not like it's not like a reit like that the agents you bring over have to perform right but literally I almost got a three thousand dollar check yet yesterday so what is that agent able to do she's able to do what other agents are not is to take that money and reinvest that's a big part of our training is every deal that you transact you need to be taking a part of that and reinvesting it back into your business too many agents just take it and say go buy a, a bottle of wild, yeah new car and do stupid shit with it buy yeah. wild turkey and <laughs> well, that's actually that's not a that's a good investment. Take that back. Roll 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 tape back. That's a good investment. But like but do not spend a, a certain percentage to grow their business. So we offer an opportunity where like, you know, everyone knows anyone, you know, and I think the agents that have come over have really enjoyed their experience. And so when they share that and they bring and, and I don't I don't want I tell every agent, I'm not I'm not bringing you to be a recruiter, but the reality is people are noticing what we're doing and in the, in the offerings that we're having. If you refer an agent over, you are getting the highest payout of any company around in perpetuity forever. So it's a massive way. So there's little twists like that that I love, I love, I love because there are some agents that don't have that extra money to buy those rental properties. I hope to God every agent that in our office or anyone that I, I help has that chance or anyone that outside of real estate and sees the, I think it's one of my side businesses that I love, I love investing in that. I'd love, I, I just love the passive nature of that. And that's what inspires me so much about our, we call it the crew program. Uh, if you refer over and the amount of money that these agents are getting on a month to month basis.
0: Let me ask you this, speaking of like reinvesting in your business, yeah. um, are you, what are you doing to recession proof? You know, cause that, like there's been a lot of talk of impending recessions and uh, who knows how deep that goes, whatever. Um, what have you been doing to help a recession proof seaport? Going Spending money. This? Spending money. Spending money. What do you mean? Spending money,
1: reinvesting back in marketing, going all in. Like sometimes during recessions, you'll see a lot of people pull out, being more focused on that, but also investing in other real estate aspects that will provide money. Um, That's why like the old Uncle G statement, it's like back in the day, I used to hold my money. I didn't understand investing money. I didn't understand that like you could spend money to, you know, you always say you need money to make money or whatever the case is. But um, if you've got money, you know, he, he'll always tell you, uncle G will say, you're making 0.002% or whatever the, the percentage is in a bank, get it out of the bank, put it in real estate. So instead of me getting 0.022%. So a big part is like when we had a good year, we're investing in other real estate, other ventures that will make money. So the same thing. So Seaport won't be constrained. If we do have up and down months, I want to make sure that we have a consistent flow of income through other streams. So it's about, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest. Like, what what are we doing? We're spending money. Okay, investing. Does uh, that make sense? Yeah, I think Outs- so. yeah outside outside yeah, yeah. of Seaport though, it's it, it's 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 taking money and in, in, investing it into rental properties that are cash flowing. That if we need it, will help support a business. God forbid, if we are in a recession.
0: Like diversifying. Absolutely. Of here. A- a-
1: yeah. Um, you know, don't sit on cash. If you're running your own business as an agent. Why would you sit on cash? I think everyone's trying to be cash rich right now because they are worried about, which it could go both ways. I'd be concerned. Well, plus
0: going into a recession, you're stronger if you got a bunch of cash because you can buy a bunch of things when the market hits the bottom. Yeah. Right? We think that's like kind
1: of Yeah, but if you've got it and you can still find a good deal that's going to yield you 20%.
0: Regardless. I
1: stick to my model. I don't care if it's up, down, if it's sideways. It doesn't matter where the market at. If it fits my model, if it fits my desired cap rate, what does it matter? Like literally, I mean, maybe I'll lose a little bit of equity because I'm buying a little higher, but ideally on a month-to-month, year-to-year basis, I'm still cash flowing at my 20% yield.
0: Yeah, rents didn't seem to dramatically drop. They've gone up. Yeah. They've oh, gone up. Yeah, they've gone up. They've gone up. Yeah. And that's
1: that's the cool thing about owning real estate and, and investment real estate is that through the recession, if people are, unfortunately, if they would lose a house, they still need somewhere to go. Right? Yeah. So they're going to an apartment or or, or how, you know, downsizing from a $300,000 house. Two thousand dollar payment down to a thousand dollar or twelve hundred dollar rent. Still need a place to live. That's the cool thing about real estate. Maybe the value of the property that you own goes down, but if you're in it for the long haul,
0: the equity doesn't matter quite as yeah. Much. So
1: that's that's why I think right now we're investing to to kind of set us up if there is a recession. I want that passive income because the, the people are still going to rent it out. I hope so.
0: Do you think that the do you think that Savannah will get hit with a recession?
1: That's a deep, deep question. I, I, it, There's no question. So it's a cyclical cycle. Every 10 right. to 15 years in U.S. history, it will always cycle around. If you can literally date back, it always will. Um, there is no question, um, and I'll kind of get into this a little bit. Right now, I think we're in a good position. I thought there was a lot of craziness. Everyone watched the election, and there was no dip. economy actually went up. Um, I think the 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 COVID lockdown may be something to, to to potentially entertain, but all the vaccines are coming out. So I really don't know if we'll go into a permanent lockdown. Some states are. But the reality where we're at, and I'll get into answering your question, but right now, I don't foresee anything. I think right now we will stay strong for at least at least twelve months, but I foresee it at least a year and a half, maybe even twenty four months. Cause the reality is right now the rates are so low. We're closing and and we're locking people in two five, two six, two seven, five. Insane rates, lowest in U.S. history. I don't think they'll fluctuate that much if they go up three, 3.1, whatever, like still around three. But I think our inventory on a national and also on a local, Savannah local level, our inventory is so low right now that it literally would take, it would take maybe a year, year and a half. We're that low in inventory right now. Housing had slowed down because the building costs are up. So I think we least have a year and a half before even if something did happen, it would come. And then if it does hit, I think it's going to be very interesting because it won't be like an 08. Um, I think there is a massive amount of things that people aren't talking about during, during this whole COVID period. Um, there has been moratoriums on evictions or, or on, um, yeah, on evictions. Like, so landlords have not been able to evict any tenant out for non-payment. There's been uh, uh, what do you call forbearances on foreclosure. So there's millions of properties out there through the country that have been set on more or uh uh, forbearances so they've literally been loan forgiveness so to speak um i think the unemployment depending on what happens with COVID, if people don't start coming back i don't think everything i think the airline industry is still going to be hurt i think hotels will still probably be down even if all the vaccines are out you got to think that still going to take a year or two for people to say well shit let's just get on a plane and go stay and go go stay at a big hotel with four thousand people i think it's going to take time mentally but I think we're going to be strong for at least a year, year and a half, maybe two years before we see anything. But I don't know. I don't people ask me all the time. Do you think? we'll? I don't think we'll ever I would never say never. But in the foreseeable future, have another 08 crash now.
0: Do you think that there will be like a 08 crash, though, in like specific parts of the country? So like my question kind of has been because I know our economy is so connected. Oh. I don't know how much potential there is for this. But uh, from your in your opinion, like a lot of those um, millions of houses and millions of renters that aren't paying are in places like California and uh, New York yep. and then some of the larger cities uh, you know, scattered throughout the United States. How much of that do you think will just be local? Like it will just affect like the local? I think
1: you look just at New York City. I've got friends, some of my best friends live in New York City right down in Manhattan, right down by Wall Street, and it's still, for the most part, a ghost town. People have vacated that city, vacated their lease, their commercial lease, residential lease, vacated their homes. You've got rental values Like my This is an example Uh, One of my best buddies Lives right on Wall Street He lived in a 500 square foot Paying like 3,300 or whatever Like I mean the size of this This room right here And they called down the hall A 900 square foot Went from a studio Like literally taking a pee in his bedroom To now having a bedroom A kitchen En suite Like all this For like $800 cheaper than he was paying now Whoa. Crazy. He literally just moved down the hall and secured another lease. So rents are going through the roof through the roof. Um, I don't I think it's gonna be years. And so what happens there? I don't know. Commercial real estate. I mean, literally, there's still places boarded up. Um, I mean, people literally said, well, you know, because of the new zooming and all the other technology out there, I don't need to live in a city and pay seven grand for a lease or, you know, live in this downtown Brooklyn with no yard. I can move out to the Hamptons and have the same thing. And or move out to Jersey, wherever they want to move to. So, yeah, I think it could be localized. California's a mess. Um, you know, I, I don't follow that. I follow more New York City than anything just because it's on the east side and I know people there. Right. So could it be more localized because it? Yeah. I think, I think COVID absolutely is going to – I mean, <laughs> look at – like, I'm from Pennsylvania. It's been locked down. It's locked down right now to January 6th. And I'm sitting in your podcast room right now, and it's the 15th. I just came from lunch, and yeah. I got another meeting. We've never really shut down.
0: Yeah, never really. So, so, like what, like a week or two? So, yeah. so Yep.
1: So, restaurants and other businesses up there, gyms, maybe good down here, maybe not up there. So, that means unemployment, leases, whatever the case is.
0: Yeah, it feels almost like we're in a bubble when you read the news because, like, if you were to read, you know, you read the news, it's like, oh, everything's out of business. But you walk around downtown Savannah and, like, a couple businesses have gone under. But, by and large, everything is still there that was there a year ago. Yeah.
1: Restaurants are still making do. You know, the PPV money helped a lot of different businesses out. That's gone. But I think here's different. I'm not gonna lie, my wife and I have gone out to dinner. We felt very safe. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I just everyone has their own different perspective. But like I have a lot of good friends that own restaurants. And it's like we go in there, they've done everything by the book. And it's it's a shame what some of the restrictions that have been put on it because we've been very fortunate. Um you know, I told this, uh, I tell it all the time, to people back home and restaurant owners, one of my best friends in the world owns a bar back in Pittsburgh. And it's like, I can't imagine if someone said, Ben, you're never selling another house until January 6th. Like, that would freaking suck. But no, we were able to do what we wanted. But there's, there's people literally just getting their doors shut and arrested. And it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know.
0: Um, Which I don't want to get too political with it either. I was just thinking that like that's pretty... No, God knows. (laughs) We'll we'll end up drinking the whole bottle of wild turkey before we... No, no, no. no. Um, All right, let me... uh, So kind of my final question normally. um, Agent, day one. Sure. What advice are you giving them? Or you, day one. What advice would you give yourself?
1: Myself or agent, I would say day one... Get involved with as many groupings of people you possibly can. It is such a it is such a sales business of understanding, um, you know, where we make our money is through people. You got to know them. <laughs> you got to know people, and they got to know you. So it's a simple. If you don't have the production quality, if you don't have uh, the tech to put all the shit on YouTube. Find ways to be in front of as many people as you possibly can. You could go to church. You could literally go to bars and spend a couple bucks, sit at bars. You can, you can join, um, B&I groups. You can join charity groups. You know, one of our agents does a lot of charity work and he gets to meet a ton of different people. Um, find yourself. And, and these are things that don't cost anything at all. I think that's a lot of times people think there's so many things that like, man, I want to do it. It's like, it costs that much. Money. No, it doesn't. It's like the YouTube videos. It, Jesus Christ. I mean, grab a phone and I could put out 50 videos off your phone. You're paying for a phone. Can do the same production on that as any other camera or digital camera but i would say the number one thing is find a way to to get in front of as many possible people's people as you possibly can as quickly as you can and then be consistent with it because that's another the whole consistency is the thing that i think so many agents lack is that they'll do the same thing the first year they'll be like i listened to you i did that well how many times did you go to that charity group well i went that one saturday no shit. Like, well, it's like the Gary Vee thing. Like <laughs> it's the Gary Vee thing. Yeah. They already forgot about you. You got to go back and see them again on Saturday and again on Saturday. Like it's it's time consuming, but stick it. Stick with it. Um, it's not easy. Uh, it's not. It is a slow process. I mean, there's not there's not a lot of agents that get into this business and have initial success. Um, you know, I would say that I, I had pretty good success initially, and we continue to grow. But it takes time. It takes years of building this brand, building your name um and just learning the business so be patient with it um and if you get into it make sure you have enough money to survive because it may be six months before you get your first deal
0: 10 times longer than you think it'll take
1: 10 times longer you know people think it's like (laughs) man i just go out show a house like my wife who was (laughs) this is like my wife got licensed um went out showed a property called me and said hey he wants to write a full price offer (laughs) like well that's a good thing closed in three weeks first first day ever on real estate like literally like what the hell of course of course you would go out first showing first offer accepted in an hour uh, it just doesn't happen so be pa- be patient be present and be consistent at meeting new people that'd be the biggest thing i can tell people
0: that seems like a good note to end on
1: yeah I try
0: thanks man you're welcome i appreciate you coming on. for the
1: thanks for the turkey
0: yeah man of course it was good i ain't gonna
1: lie for it, whoever's listening or you don't know, like it's not like live right no no well, i'm buzzed <laughs> <laughs> like a little. It's either warm in here, or I'm feeling good. So.
0: All right, man. Have a All good right, week. Take cool. it easy. You too.